Hello, and welcome to Resting Scared, the podcast, you know the drill, where we talk about all the things in and around health and health anxiety and other stuff, OCD, anxiety, depression, lots of things. (laughs) My name's Mary. Um, so I do feel the need to fill you in on how the flying trapeze situation went. And yeah, not gonna lie, it was rough. (laughs) I could not do it. You know, I was definitely anxious leading into it and... I did do like a little internet spiral deep dive beforehand, mostly to see the reviews of the place in DC that we went to, but also I read the views from the one in New York. Um, And it actually made me feel a little better because the reviews were generally very good, Um, but I was scared going into it. All right, I will just be real. And the day before I, and the day of, I was starting to flare with the LS of it all. And I'm sure that, you know, at least had something to do with my stress, like stress and anxiety. Um, But yeah, I guess I'll just give you the rundown. And, you know, to my friends who were there with me, if you're listening, hi. Um, Thank you so much for... (laughs) being nice to me and not pressuring me into doing anything and for just being really kind um that made the whole situation like a lot better so yeah we get to this place and I'm already just not in a great place physically um and that of course does like tend to translate to mentally as well even if I'm not realizing it necessarily right in that moment Um, And we walk up and it's just like this huge tent with a flying trapeze situation inside. And when we walked up, I was said to my friend, I was like, oh, is this it? And she was like, yeah, because, you know, it's like a circus, flying trapeze. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Um, But we walk in and... We're greeted by this lovely person who signs us in and like they were really great they were like a very calm presence um and then we walk over to this man who kind of tells us what's up um i think he recognized my friend who had done it before um and i told him i was new and so he like kind of like strapped me into this like belt thing and he showed me like how to grab the bar and what the commands are but there's no like practice anything like no like do it from a two foot off the ground or something like that no you just climb this like 40 foot ladder or whatever it is and honestly I don't know the ladder itself wasn't so bad um but the girl at the top who in my opinion is like the first person you have to trust it's just kind of bad vibes I mean like whatever it's not like a big enough deal to even go into but like you know it's giving mean girl it's giving peaked in middle school (laughs) um so when you grab the bar you kind of have to hold yourself back with your other arm and then she's holding you um as well by like your little strappy thing around your waist and 
I was able to catch the bar with one hand finally like it took a while but then I just like freaked out started crying like kind of hysterically like and I don't normally do that if I cry in public at all it's usually like one glistening tear kind of thing but I was like I kind of surprised myself by my the emotional reaction I had I was just like really kind of sobbing and it was just this deep cold like piercing fear and I was just like no I have to get down um and it was like I couldn't even have ignored it like I couldn't have even have like ignored the fear if I had wanted to it was just so in my face and in my body um so I go back down and I watch my friends and they did beautifully and it was very fun to watch them honestly um and I was just kind of had to wait and decide if I was going to do it again and if I was I knew it wasn't going to be for a while and then I would need to like build up to it but there was this other girl who I would say is the second person you have to trust and probably the person you actually have to trust the most because she basically like catches your fall like make sure that you fall slowly and I think she's doing more than that honestly but I'm not entirely sure (laughs) like what it all is that she's doing but she's was so 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 sweet and she like paused what she was doing to kind of like talk to me and like give me some tips and to do like a kind of practice a more like real practice with me of grabbing the bar like where she would have me like holding on to something and then she would hold me on my waist and so there was no like real fall but it was still like more of like a similar situation with than what the other guy was originally showing me um so anyway she was just like trying to make me feel like I could do it and she was being really nice and she at one point she said that of course my body is going to freak out it's 40 feet in the air and it's like generally good that your body would tell you not to jump from there um but then she said that it's just that in this case maybe your body doesn't actually need to be telling you that because this is actually safe or something something along those lines um and like how in this context your body doesn't need to be sending you those signals and you know i had kind of gotten my act together at this point and I wasn't crying um but then when she started saying that I just started crying again because like yeah that's exactly it right that is the whole thing that is going on with my life in general right now is that my body is never sure when there is an actual threat like what is life and death and what is not my body really can't tell it seems like and I just wanted to explain to her how much that like is really hitting the nail on the head but of course that like would not have been appropriate or the time or place but anyway I ended up just kind of chilling and watching my friends and at the end of the class I did go up the ladder again and I like kind of put my arms out well I put one arm out um But yeah, I still just couldn't do it. And I didn't cry this time, which is progress. Um, But yeah, honestly, it was a profound experience. And that I haven't felt that like pure, unadulterated fear in a hot minute. And I just feel like I need to be paying attention to that. And not in the OCD, like hypervigilant way, but more like of a 
what is my body trying to tell me? Like, it was just such an extreme version of what is already happening. Yeah, I don't know. Also, at first, I was just really sad because I kept thinking about how when I was in my teens, I went to Costa Rica and I did zip lining from like crazy high up in the rainforest and I did a Tarzan swing. And that was probably, the Tarzan swing in particular was probably more dangerous than this because you, you're not really strapped in. And um, I don't know, I'm just having this realization that I'm not that person anymore and that she doesn't exist. The girl who peed off the boathouse doesn't exist. I feel like I'm not ready to accept that or grieve that, even though I know we're supposed to change. And I'm happy for, you know, the many ways that my life has progressed. But I'm just operating with a, like, level of sense of mortality and inability to let go of physical trauma and for some reason it's just like feeling like a lot right now and I know this happens to everyone and we're you know we're all not the same people that we were at 16 and that's like normal and good but I don't know a lot came up for me with this trying with this uh flying trapeze experience and I don't know I think it was good and necessary and yeah okay thank you so much for bearing with me with that very long intro (laughs) um so the day today is july 18th and in 1817 Jane Austen died at the age of 41. Can you believe that? I did not realize that she was so young when she died. Um, So she died of Addison's disease. Um, So yeah, I don't know. In honor of Ms. Austen, I'm just gonna close this very, you know, quick section with a quote from Pride and Prejudice. And that is... Our scars make us know that our past was for real. Yeah. I feel like this has been a lot already (laughs) because I had a really long intro. So let's just check in now. How are you feeling? What is your body doing? Maybe try shrugging your shoulders or giving your body some little pressure taps like on your thighs or arms or cheeks. Remind yourself of where you are. Notice the sounds. We are here. So today, as promised, we are going to talk about the pain scale. If you are listening to this podcast, then chances are that you have been asked by a medical professional to rate your pain on a scale from 0 to 10 or 1 to 10. And maybe you found this to be really helpful and like relevant (laughs) at times. And that's great. And that's generally the point. 
but maybe there are other times where you felt like, uh, well, that's actually a really hard question to answer. And then you start explaining what your pain is like and realize it's not something that fits onto the pain scale. Just this past Friday, I was at my physical therapist's office and she needed to do another assessment for some stupid insurance thing. And she asked me to measure my pain on an average day um, from zero to 10. She said, zero is no pain and 10 is you go to the emergency room. And I laughed. Uh, partially because I knew I was going to be talking about this um, on the next episode, but also just because, uh, like, I said to her, well, first of all, I would probably never go to the ER because of pelvic pain at this point in my life. Um, And I said, I wasn't sure, it's really hard to measure, but I'd say on average I'm at like a four or a five. And I said that because I had to say something, you know, because the insurance needs to know. And she looked disappointed. <laughs> and I tried to explain to her that this is just really hard to, to define. Um, but like I had two days earlier in the week where I had almost no pain at all. But then a few days before that, I was like a lot worse. And now today it's what it is. And I said, a nine to 10 for me is not being able to get up and do normal daily activities. But a seven to eight is I can do them, but they are really, really hard. And I feel like I'm one giant nerve ending and seven to eight can very quickly go to a nine or 10. And I just wanted to be able to explain it in a way that makes sense to her. Um, and I understand that the pain scale is supposed to be like a universal language, but it's just impossible because pain is so subjective. Um, but backing up, I wanted to know when we as a society started using something as objective as numbers to describe something as subjective as pain. But honestly, it was really hard to find the answer to this exactly. Um, but I did learn some other interesting things along the way, um, just about ways we've tried to measure pain in the past. Um, but in general, it seems like it is a fairly modern concept, measuring pain. Um, in the 19th century, a theory, a theory in quotes, um, of measuring pain was being devised involving horse hair in which different hairs would be collected from a horse and a person would be poked with them and depending on the thickness and like i don't know sharpness strength of a hair it would break at different points and somehow this was a way to measure pain i'm not really sure Basically, it was it was actually a way to measure the sensitivity of the uh, sensitivity of the skin. But like, I swear, like this is what happens when men don't learn to talk about their feelings. They start doing wild shit, like poking people with horse hairs. Like, really? Um, and apparently, there's still a version of this available today, but the pins are plastic instead of horse hair. I looked them up, and they are called Von Frey filaments, named after the guy who came up with this theory. 
Um, and then there's also a really gruesome time in history in the 1940s when doctors would burn pregnant women during labor, like on their hands, and ask them if the burn on their hands was more or less painful than childbirth. Um, this was, of course, completely fucking pointless and very dangerous and really, like, puts where we are today into a lot of context. Like, no wonder they don't take pelvic pain seriously now. They were doing this shit in the 1940s. But enough of the very fun history lesson. The point is, is that measuring pain is a fairly new concept and something we still just don't have a firm grasp on. I'm sure you've seen the faces scale at the doctor's office, which is often used to help uh, children rate their pain and adults as well. Um, But for people with chronic pain, the zero to 10 pain scale isn't really helpful because we're starting from a different baseline most of the time. So when my physical therapist looked disappointed by like my four to five response, I thought, Well, lady, a year ago, I was riding a constant seven to eight at best. Um, Or there's been a time where, like, I said my pain was a 10 because it was excruciating um, and intolerable. But, like, the following week, it got worse. Yeah, worse than a 10, I guess. Because if we have to work within the zero to 10 pain scale, then, well, then the values of those numbers are going to have to be changing a lot. So, the numbers kind of become meaningless. It also depends on what else is going on in my life, um, how much my pain is affecting me emotionally, and how well I'm being taken care of socially. So if my pain is a four, but I'm not upset about it, is it still a four? I mean, I think so, right? But I don't know. I don't know. You see how this can get confusing? But of course, the zero to 10 pain scale isn't meant to be, isn't meant to measure how we feel about the pain or anything else going on in our lives. Um, What if my pain is a two, but I can't get my meds refilled and work is piling up and I can't catch a break and I'm so scared that my pain is going to get worse, that I'm losing sleep? Is my pain still a two? I don't know. It's not very biopsychosocial informed, I guess. For myself, I'm trying to use my own scale, which is just words like undisruptive, mildly disruptive, manageable, unmanageable, intolerable, or like concepts like background noise or all consuming. Those are actually two um, concepts that I use often to describe my pain. Um, So if you are finding the 0 to 10 pain scale unhelpful when talking to your doctors, maybe, I don't know, try using your own scale. And if they make you give them a number, just take your best guess from what you've already provided in your head. Like maybe one to two is undisruptive four to five is disruptive something like that um 
hopefully you can find yourself in better communication with your doctor this way. And it can be a way that you both like actually do understand what you're talking about when you're talking about your pain levels. And also you'll still be seen as a cooperative patient. So, hey, win-win. I don't always love it when I end episodes without, you know, any big resolve. But yeah, I guess the message here is that if you find yourself, you know, not feeling great about the zero to 10 pain scale, um, then you're not alone. (laughs) From what I can tell, this is a common experience um, of people who suffer from chronic pain. All we can do is try to keep finding ways to communicate, I guess. I guess that's that's what it is. So I think I'm going to take a break from talking about chronic pain for a minute. Uh, but you know I'll come back to it soon. I'm really, like, I'm really exploring this this thing right now. Um, so I will definitely be coming back to it, but... Yeah, we'll we'll move on for a minute. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this little pain series, I'll call it. (laughs) When have you ever enjoyed a series of pain? Maybe this is the first time. (laughs) Okay, well, I hope you're doing well, and I hope your summer is peaceful. If it's summer where you are. Um... And if it's not super peaceful around you, I hope you can protect, find and protect your own peace. I can't thank you enough for listening. It is an honor, really, to be in your ears week after week. Um, yeah, just thanks so, so much. And I'll talk to you soon. 